Off, welcome to episode five of Cloud Dialogues, the podcast for Cloud for Executives, where we explain cloud concepts for tech executives and non-tech executives. So our audience is pretty diverse. You might be someone who wants to learn about cloud. This episode, we're talking about navigating Azure Executive Insights into Microsoft's cloud power. So I'll welcome my co-host, Georgia. Say hello, Georgia. How are you doing? You've got wired internet now, I hear. I have 500 megabits per second or something like that. Something beyond anything that I've ever experienced in Australia. So that's good news. I think we're, we're like without the lag now. So that's good. That's been life-changing for you after months of... Absolutely life-changing. <laughs> I have TV now, Matt. Know, yeah. Amazing. You watch the cricket, so, you know, on the big screen. Oh, what a dream. It seems like a waste of internet to watch the cricket as soon as you get TV. I'm going to watch it again. I'm literally going to replay again today because it was so good. Unreal. I'm going to introduce Simone so people know who Simone is. Hi, we are joined by Simone Bennett. Say hi, Simone. You're from Akana. Yeah. Hi there. I'm from Akana, formerly Microsoft and formerly before that, Contino. Yay. Yeah. So... Akana is a startup that was started by Lee, Matt, and Josh. Josh from Microsoft. He was one of the head honchos at Microsoft Australia. And then I think they all worked together inside. Then they started the startup. And I think their focus is on repeatability and speed to deployment. Um, so that's where the landing zone product comes in. Instead of just doing like bespoke, big, long landing zone engagement, we adopt the Microsoft Cloud Adoption Framework CAF module from Terraform. And we try to make that as repeatable and um, yeah, standard as possible. Like obviously there's some customization that goes into it, but we try not to build it from scratch every time. Um, and then on top of that, they plug in like the data offerings or the app development offerings or web offerings, and they have a bunch of products as well. So, um, and obviously support services, but the same thing, their support is not like a traditional managed service. It's, you know, focused on being repeatable and smooth and, um, doing things slightly differently to everybody else. So. I've known Simone for a while now, and um, it's nice to have her on the show to talk about Microsoft-y stuff, uh, which is a bit of a change for us, So, but we like to mix it up a little bit. Totally. I, and that's an important point, Matt. I think there are always, you know, like, I think it's, it's, really, it's really important to me, and I know it's really important to you that we always give, like, the best advice. And I think that that means being inclusive of the various hyperscalers and providers that are available to us. Obviously, you and I both, unfortunately, or for, I don't know, maybe fortunately, have a bit of a background in Amazon, which is great, but I just want to make sure that we're diverse as well. So we're super happy to have Simone with us today. Georgia and I see customers all the time are using multiple cloud providers. Sometimes they're using one, but most of the time they're using at least two, and I have one using three. Uh, we won't go into that. Um, for various reasons, and there's, sometimes there's actually valid reasons for that. But almost always Microsoft have uh, some sort of presence in the mix for various reasons, which we'll cover. Microsoft are pretty much second in the market and they have been for many, 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 probably 10 years. I think holistically they're sitting at like 21% market share and Amazon is sitting at about 30 but I have no doubt that they're leading in like education rates, and, yeah. um, yeah, yeah. It's like, cause they're quite, it's like public, there's a lot of public sector customers. 
that are straight to Azure. Microsoft Cloud is, is part of an overall cloud strategy. And today we'll dive into what Microsoft offer and what businesses choose Microsoft. A lot of the time, Microsoft is the, the first stop into cloud for, for many organizations, and especially as uh, George alluded to, um, public sector and also enterprise. They've got a long and uh, maybe a love-hate relationship with Microsoft. I'm not sure, but Simone's got a long love relationship with Microsoft. Maybe there's a little bit of hate there. Simone, what's your background, Simone? Um, what makes you tick? And what do you do at Akana? So at Akana, I own the product called Azure Elements Core. Yes, there's a new trend called platform engineering. Um, it's the same sort of thing that we've always been trying to do when you first started having DevOps or DevSecOps and Surrey teams. It's the new buzzword for that. But we own a product that you deploy the cloud adoption framework aligned landing zones for cloud. So the purpose of the product that I own is to quickly get that base landing zone in place so then we can put our other products on top like data or, or other apps and stuff like that. Yeah. So yeah, I, I build the I build the base level. And do they focus on specific customer needs like data or can it be uh, yeah variety? so there's a wide we have a large actually the infrastructure team at kind of is quite small just the landing zones is really the main focus of infrastructure but they have a large dev team so they do lots of apps lots of data and ai lots of like web development lots of startup they work with oh, lots yeah. of startups Actually, i'm new new there their their target markets you know those small to mediums and startups a yep. lot of them and the apps they're building but you know you can't do that without the base so the yep. elements core the Cloud adoption framework is hard to digest when you've got a small team. So, yep. yeah. So you make that easier for orgs so they come in secure and to be able to build what they want to build. I make it so easy. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Making cloud easy. Yeah. Um, cool. That's the goal. Definitely. I'm calling a Microsoft cloud because Azure is one bit, but everything's sort of built on top of that yet. Do you want to just give us a brief overview of Microsoft cloud? And so the major building blocks that people choose um, when, when they're going in, into Microsoft Cloud? Yeah, I guess that's the difference between a lot of the other cloud providers and Microsoft is that, well, there's two things I find different. Having worked with AWS and Microsoft, like uh, different customers, um, AWS seems to have grown up from dev developers, sort of just giving them the Legos and having that sort of Linux um, tinkering mindset, whereas Microsoft seems to have grown up from the infrastructure. So here's, here's the service you have on-prem and now you have them in the cloud. So it's a bit more infrastructure and enterprise focused. So they naturally have that whole suite of things that enterprises would want. You can, and I always call it the might as well factor. Like if you've got a Microsoft agreement, then you might as well use HCI or Stack Azure instead of VMware. And you might as well use Azure AD or Entra instead of some other because you've already got it in your agreement, so you might as well use it. So they have security, they've got like Defender, Sentinel, Endpoint Manager, everything you can think of in your enterprise environment is covered in their security stack. Then all the infrastructure stuff that you'd expect, and there's equivalents for that in AWS, pretty much for everything that I've seen. Um, I'm not sure, there might be differences around pricing or minor features, but you know, all the infrastructure, yep. it is what it is. There's the app and innovation stuff. So that's the fun stuff I like to talk about and work with, like GitHub and Visual Studio and Power Apps containers. GitHub's a really big one because that's really embedded in the ecosystem. And it's part of your agreement with your Microsoft and it burns down your Mac if you've got an enterprise agreement. So again, why wouldn't you just use that over one of the other 
you know, source code providers. Um, and then there's the data and AI, which we don't probably need to talk about because it's all anyone has been talking about for like right. two months. We did an episode on it a couple of episodes. Yeah, ago. it is. all that's on every talker, Ignite, everything, AI, data. So, um, but there's all that. And then there's the other things in data, like Synapse and Purview that does security for data, like right down to the um, table level, like line level in a the table. Then you've got the more niche things like BizApp. So... If you're a Microsoft partner, you could use Dynamics for your CRM, and that all links into all these other ecosystems really seamlessly, as you would imagine. And then, of course, um, Power Platform, which I love because I automate all my menial tasks with Power Platform. Um, it's like if this, then that, but for enterprise. And then finally, your modern work suite, so Office 365 or Microsoft 365, I should say, Teams, Viva, yeah. you know, all those things. So when you think about it, um, they just cover that whole, everything you could possibly want there, everything to all people pretty much. And I'm sure there's better individual things, but then it almost is harder to use that better thing versus the small amount of fiddling you have to do to just use a thing that integrates with everything else or you get for free. So that's my experience anyway. Yeah. And where did this Entra name come from? Is there a history there? It's, it's kind of weird. That came I do out not of, know. <laughs> that came <laughs> out of nowhere. I right? found it just as annoying as everybody. No, I think it's because they... Started with Azure AD. There was like on-premises Active Directory. Then there was yep. Azure AD. Then there was there was all these identity providers. And then they started to have the security for identity. And um, so they just they came. I don't know where Entry came from. I could Google it really quickly. <laughs> yeah, no, but that's um, right. but it, it's like a generic term that sort of encompasses that whole identity suite. Oh, okay. So I yeah. guess there's some things like where they used to call it Microsoft. Or Office 365, now they call it Microsoft 365 because it's not just Office, you know, it encompasses yep. other stuff and yeah. It's like endpoint management and all sorts of other things as well. Um, yeah, so but for, you kind of surprised me with that one. I have no idea. I could have probably asked someone at Microsoft, but you, you missed the vote. I did so it. The tra so for those who don't know, Azure AD is it's one of the key building blocks of everything on Microsoft Cloud. And they renamed the cloud version of Azure AD to Entra, which covers all that stuff that Simone just mentioned. So on that point, why identity is a complex thing, I guess. Um, how does Microsoft make it easy to bring yeah. your identity system to, you know, pretend I'm not on cloud. I have all this Microsoft stuff. I've got an AD. How does Microsoft make it easy for me to bring that into cloud to be able to easily uh, give people access to all the cloud things, like at a high level? Yeah, that's another one of those things where if you're an enterprise or a business, it just makes sense. It just makes sense to go with the Microsoft suite because it's easy to integrate. So if you're using Office 365 already, which you probably are, even if you have on-premises environment, um, so you've already got identity in the cloud and you're already syncing it with your on-premises AD databases. And maybe you're federated with other third-party providers like Facebook or LinkedIn and LinkedIn, which Microsoft also owns. Or maybe you're using GitHub, in which case you can use the enterprise integration because they're, they come from an enterprise background. I know they have big consumer markets, but you know they think about that enterprise requirement. So it's like, how can we just integrate it all into one identity and bring your identity with you? Um, but as even when I've worked with AWS, I still had to sync that with some sort of Azure or Microsoft identity provider. Yeah. AWS has only recently even provided their own identity provider for those that don't. The have only that. time I haven't used anything Microsoft was when I worked for Amazon. 
That's pretty funny. Not anymore. <laughs> They're going to go <laughs> Office Microsoft 365 now. Yes, I heard really? that. Really? Yes. Yeah. I'm thanks. I'm getting back on Teams now and I'm like, because obviously I, I, Amazon doesn't have Teams. Poor Georgia. Um, Poor Georgia on Teams. Well, I'm getting Teams. back into it and I'm like, this is weird. Like, what yeah. is this? I'm just struggling. Um, it's changed a lot since the last time I used it. I mean, I don't find Teams the easiest of the products to use. I think it tries to be too much, but I mean, again. It tries to be too <laughs> much. It just links in. It's with such a hard so balancing act. Yeah. The, last, yeah. the latest yeah. version. It's okay. okay. Slack is good. Like I, I love Slack. I have to say, I love Slack. Yeah. And I miss it a little bit, but Direct and Teams is pretty good. It's pretty intuitive. Like I love Slack too, but the friction to adopt Slack and federate your identity. Yeah. And have it yes. Well, this is the thing. This is the thing, right? It doesn't, it's yeah, like it. everything's almost like disconnected like even like looking up someone's name in your email to invite them to a meeting drama that like, yeah. can't find people that are all like you find people on slack but you can't find them on outlook because there's this like disconnect or whatever it's like why can't things be as simple well if like that's what if you have that microsoft ecosystem even though teams is a bit of a miserable notification storm sometimes you can <laughs> see that person's LinkedIn profile, you can just make a meeting with them, you can call them, you can do everything. Like it's all connected together. Yeah. So I do love yeah. Slack as well, but there is that disconnect which makes every day yes. like, throughout your whole day these little bits of friction that make it harder to seamlessly use it. On that topic of collaboration, collaboration is obviously one service that organisations choose Microsoft for. What are the initial services that organisations usually adopt when they're going Microsoft Cloud? I think the first thing that gets people into Microsoft Cloud is usually the Microsoft 365 suites. I don't know many companies that are still running on-premises Exchange or SharePoint or anything anymore, but Exchange was so widely permeated. It was rare to find an enterprise that didn't mm -hmm. have Exchange. Yep. Um, and then Exchange is quite hard to patch and manage. Like I had to manage it. So, you know, like it required a lot of love and care. So you, you end storage. So obviously people went straight to Microsoft 365 and Microsoft had a big push where with the fast track team, they would migrate you. So you didn't need to pay to migrate. Like they made it really easy. So people have been using Microsoft 365 and that sort of office suite online for quite a while now. And then they might've had Skype or Link and now Teams. So that's usually the first step. And oftentimes I see that as the reason why they end up just using Azure because they've already got a bunch of stuff mm. and they've already got identity and they've, they you know, have got agreements in place and they just expand. I guess if they're doing the whole exchange thing, that requires them to move their identity over um, and link their AD to the cloud, Azure AD, Entra, as we like to call it now. I'll see how many times I can say Entra in the episode. I've seen organizations who do that, like they've done that whole migration. And then on the other hand, they've got a whole part of the organization on AWS. And then for it to become official, they link it up to Azure AD to be able to provision users and be compliant and, and have sort of central control. So almost every um, AWS environment I've seen in the last few years has either been Azure AD identity or Google Workspaces identity. Yeah. And I think Microsoft recognizes that, which is why they have, you know, if you use Azure cost management, Azure budgets, they can, they can incorporate the AWS and Google environments and then ARC can do the same thing. Ah, ARC. What's ARC? So, 
explain that. Oh, so well, essentially, where I'm going is Microsoft recognizes that there's always going to be some stuff on prem or some stuff in other clouds, but that mm. management plane, they try to make that all centralized into Azure. Because, you know, as long as I've ever been a sysadmin, people have promised me one pane, one <laughs> dashboard, and no one's ever delivered. Always. That's um, certainly but, a pain, uh, P-A-I-N, right? <laughs> Never has anyone delivered, which is why I followed um, Azure Arc and Lighthouse so carefully, because I was like, could this be what they promised me my whole career, even though I'm not a sysadmin the solution. Um, and so it's an agent or that can install on like a VMware host, on Azure Stack, on any VM anywhere. And it drags all of those resources into your Azure portal as if they're Azure resources. So you can apply Azure policy to them. You can use, um, Mark, you know, Sentinel for security and heuristics. You could do endpoint, whatever. Whatever you can do with your Azure resources, you can do when you have them managed with Azure Arc. So it's excellent for those things like if you've got production workloads in a factory and you can't move them to the cloud because they've got no tolerance for latency, you put Arc on there, you can still manage them, you know, centrally. So things yeah, like that. Cool. I think Microsoft finally came to the terms of the fact, okay, everyone's not going to move everything into our cloud, but we can still centrally manage it all in yeah. one management plane and we can still put our products on top so they can still back it up for you in Azure. They can still secure it. They can still monitor it. They can still do all that type of stuff. Yeah. One of the challenges that we pretty much come to talk about it every single episode is like transparency for finances for like our CFOs and, and whatnot. You know, obviously as we move to cloud, sometimes the way that IT spend in our books or in our accounts looks quite different. Is that something that can help? Yeah, definitely. So you don't need Arc, but you can use the Azure budgets and cost management portal across your clouds. So it's a good place to start. Yeah, so you can right. Start to see it all in one place without even having Arc. So definitely, oh. yes. And, you know, like I think a lot of people, the cost is more when they go to cloud. Yes. Because they, they don't. Or at least it. initially as yeah. they get a handle on it, right? Like they I think do it's. what they did like on prem and they don't change Yeah. It. Yeah. <laughs> We're like, going to oh. save money with cloud. Well, no. are you though? May maybe yeah. in the long term. <laughs> I don't I don't think it's super ethical to sell cloud as a cost saving. I I would Yeah. Say the reason you should go to cloud is for the scalability, sensibility. Like yeah. you can't do security in your it's team. It's for business reasons. Like Microsoft yes. Microsoft security. And you can't do AI like Microsoft could do AI. Like no. they're the things I would go to cloud for, not to save money. Yeah, that's true. Really. Yeah but that's probably a controversial opinion. <laughs> well, no, I think it's a, it's, it's a hard one because as you, as you move from an on-premise environment to the cloud, there really requires that whole organizational change, right? And so for finance, who has no idea about cloud, no idea about how the technology works, for them, that's a huge, and I think that's where a lot of that like lack of transparency is generated. And then obviously, sometimes you look at your bills and you're like, what? I feel like people don't realize, and and like I, I I don't know whether you experience this as Microsoft. Like I think people think that in my time at AWS that I didn't know anything about billing, but I think the reality is is that you spend a lot of time dealing with billing, <laughs> and I mean like yeah. individual billing issues because you know clients are not understanding that there's not a good understanding through their business of what's being charged for what and how the billing works. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, there's some stuff. And, that, and that you, just yeah. that lack of transparency is like perpetuated. Well, we don't know what this is about, so we're just going to ignore it because we don't want to say that we don't know. <laughs> yeah, so that's a few things. Um, the cost management portal in Azure is great, and there's a tool called Azure Advisor. I'm pretty sure there's a similar thing in AWS, sort of like best practices analyzer yep, type is, of yep. thing. Um, and there's always lots of focus on cost opto. There's a lot of focus at Microsoft and FinOps. They're in the FinOps Association certified. Yes, yes. And they subscribe to that new focus um, FinOps standard. of Yeah, I've seen collection. that. That's pretty new, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, just new. And there's some new portals and stuff that are starting to be built so that it's like, it sim- seems similar to me like an open telemetry, but for financials. But I think one of the things when I'm consulting is to make sure that you, A, set up your environment in a way that you can query that billing. So is it tagged? Yeah, yeah. Do you have the right billing profiles? Um, and then making sure your finance team does training on cloud as well. Like having so many customers where they don't, the finance team doesn't even know how to log in and look at the bill or mm. yeah. have, a, have, have a login. Absolutely. So like how can they <laughs> query the bill? Like they query the power company, they query the... Um, water, whatever. So they should do the same. So I think it's something that people forget is that there's other teams that sort of support the cloud, even if they're not building stuff in there directly. But yeah, the Microsoft central management plane is pretty cool. Um, I'm not a fan girl. I don't care. Use whatever works for you. But I do think that it's cool that I can drag in stuff from all my different places Absolutely. and sort of centralize yeah. that management reporting. That's awesome. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And I think that like it's, I think it's a very fair, like I think the reality is like you're never going to get as like whether you're at AWS or Microsoft or GCP, you're not going to get all your customers over to your product because sometimes it's not the right product, right? Like sometimes it's like, well, we actually don't have something that's going to serve this customer's need as well as another hyperscaler or Oracle. I don't know if we'll talk about Oracle anyway. <laughs> Oracle Cloud. Yeah, that's right. Oh, oh, I yeah. cannot offer much insight into Oracle Cloud. Does that still exist? <laughs> oh, apparently, um, Microsoft have a partnership with um, Oracle for their yeah, Oracle database. Yeah, but there was a private Oracle Cloud. Does that still exist? Yeah, that exists. Oh, it's probably so. It's yes, cloud now. Yeah. I know nothing about it. Sorry. Oh, damn it! Hang on, let me scrub those questions. Um, my answer <laughs> at Microsoft, my answer would have been, "Don't worry about it. Just move to Azure." <laughs> 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 they do Oracle. I forgot that. You can ingest AWS costs um, into your cost reporting tool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Does the AWS no, have that capability as well? Does, no. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Fact, Azure... That's an interesting like reflection of you know potential like cultural differences or I don't know. Well, AWS do have more and more integrations into Azure though um, for various bits and pieces mm. like data and things yeah, like right. that. Yeah. Right. And also Azure are doing mm. the same thing for AWS especially this week at Ignite. I'll go to that Multi-cloud is inevitable, That's right. right? And one thing I want, want to ask, we we haven't really spoken about Azure. Like, just give a high-level explanation to Azure. People hear about Azure, but maybe they don't know what it means or what it is. <laughs> it's the cloud. It's Microsoft. It's someone else's data center. Yeah. So it's the same as Google, Alibaba, AWS. It's a data center that you don't get to see or touch. There's a shared responsibility model. You don't go to patch hardware anymore or go in on the weekends or fix switches or monitor firewalls or care if a power strip blows up. None of that matters to you anymore. You just rent the capacity. They upgrade the firmware. They upgrade the hardware. They secure the facilities, all that kind of stuff. Is that? Yeah, that that, that sounds yeah. good. 
Um, there's a couple of Ignite announcements that caught my eye. Ooh. Is this a surprise quiz? <laughs> no, there might That's be some that caught what your eye. What were they that? Yeah. One is Microsoft Fabric. Um, I hadn't really heard of that uh, before. Yes. I went GA. And that includes an Amazon S3 integration as what we were talking about earlier. Um, and I thought that was quite interesting and it makes total sense mm. because um, people have their data in all different places. You do not want to keep moving your data to a central place. You probably want to query it where it is. So it's pretty smart. Death to the data lake, I think. That's the new <laughs> mantra, isn't it? <laughs> That's right. Well, it's data mesh, actually. Um, yeah. The other one is the custom silicon. So Azure finally decided to build their own chips, which I assume are on based. I haven't really looked huh? into the details. So that to me, that AI, yeah, AI, lower power usage as well. I'm guessing higher performance, lower power usage, I'm kind of following in Amazon's footsteps a few years later, better late than never. Cause Amazon. I think had... the problem is there's a lot of capacity constraints around open AI, like a lot of customers were applying to be mm. using it. Microsoft vets you yeah. for ethics, but also there's capacity like. If you think about the compute that's required and they have a huge commitment to sustainability, so they don't just want to spin up tons of data centers. They're like mm. trying really hard to make sure they're carbon neutral and blah, yep. blah, blah. So the sustainability is maybe, yeah. Yeah. Marks have got like really strong sustainability goals. Like the new DC that's opening in New Zealand is like carbon neutral and all this other great stuff. So you can't just go whack 700 new servers in there to yeah, cope with yeah. this sudden need for this mass, you know, compute power. I think. When you look at the stats of how much it's cost to run OpenAI just for a little while, it's like in the billions. So, yeah. And they yeah. slowed down. So those um, ships hopefully help with that. <laughs> they slowed down signups last week because they were, you know, uh, people were signing up too much and I'm guessing affecting capacity. Was that just for GPT-4? Well, I think it was, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But Microsoft has like all the OpenAI APIs too and all the models and train, like you can just use those. And yeah. you can train them on your own data. So if you've got piles of data in your organization, yeah. you can. I think we yeah. have one. Yeah. I think we have one at CapGem and I. <laughs> Is there any announcements that you think in particular that you liked, Simone? Like anything? Yes, very... there was a few things, but they're all really, they're not very executive level. They're like that's nerd okay. level things that I thought, <laughs> oh, that's cool. Just pick your favorite. <laughs> pick your <laughs> most favorite. Tell us. Yes. Uh, What's number one? My favorite. I feel like you should have told me and I would have read them Sorry. all and made sure I was up to date. But the other day I did notice that now you can <laughs> monitor your express route health, which is super basic, but so oh, good. Okay. And Ooh. Like you just have alerts. If express express route, route health. Like, yeah, well, you don't, Amazing. Know you don't know it's down until someone's like, I can't connect. Absolutely. And go figure out why. Stupid. And <laughs> there's a lot of stuff around event grid, um, which is like the underlying mesh of Azure, you can start to just query. Yeah, I saw that too. Um, yeah, yeah Azure, the graph API. So you can start to make it. And there's a lot more alerting and all the co-pilots, I guess. I mean, everybody probably would have said co-pilots. Co-pilot, yeah. so all the many co-pilots, co-pilots for all the things, which I guess, but like it's all I've been hearing about for a year. So I didn't find it to be my favorite. I was looking for stuff that wasn't co-pilot related. But that stuff is, oh, there is a siren. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, the co-pilots are awesome. And when you think about the, like, it's a, you know, I was around in IT when virtualization was a thing and it was kind of like revolutionary for the industry. And I yeah. think this is revolutionary as well. And if you don't get on the boat, you'll be like those people still trying to maintain huge data centers by themselves with like big teams of people. Like, I feel like it's easier to just slowly start getting on the train now and figuring mm-hmm. out how you can use it and staying um, yes. ahead of the game. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think they um they call that copilot and AI. It's all very useful, especially from a security perspective, right? So mm. um, the chat, noticed, the security one's cool. Like, what what's this breach? And it just goes and queries all the logs. Like, yeah, awesome. that's because yeah. otherwise you have a whole you know SecOps team that have to be trained and be able to mm. let the machine do all the hard work, and then you yeah. can summarize at the end and see if it actually makes sense or not, right? So there's, yeah. I think that's going to you know, continue to be, um, and that's, I think all that stuff is a huge strength for Microsoft cloud. They're ahead of the game, um, you know, significantly. It's um, like, they do really augment your work day to day and they can help your team. You know, like I use Copilot while well, I had it in preview from when I was at Microsoft. So in my Git and my, um, Visual Studio code, super helpful. And then using ChatGPT to just like find bugs in my code or where's the missing comma in that JSON file or something, you know, like it's yeah. like there. I'm like, oh, thank God. I don't have Adrian. And save hours. It can save hours. Yeah, yeah. I used to always have to wait for Adrian to be free. Totally. My typo. Now it just goes bump there. And I'm like, oh, thank <clears> God. <throat> Carry on. You know, like um, it's helpful for that stuff. Really speeds you up. Just it tell it, Simone, just tell it to call, tell that you'll call it Adrian. Just... <laughs> <laughs> I wish he would listen to this, but he used to edit the captions on the BBC. So he's very spelling pedantic and I'm the queen Oh, of wow. Sorry. Because I always oh have my stupid goodness. nails and then I always mix up my typing. And there's always <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Aaron, I don't have that you know, what's the wor- you know what's the worst? When, you, when you've got long nails on, because I've had long nails for years and I took them off when I, like, I took them off recently. And then and now I'm like, I can't type because I'm used to having the long oh. nails. <laughs> It anyway, was before I yeah. couldn't type because I had long nails. Now it's like I can't type because I'm used to having the long nails. Hey, Simone, I want to ask you one thing before we wrap up. Is it a pop quiz about... I think a lot of... No, no. We should do that, though. No, we it's should not. Do that, no, no. A pop, we should invite all of our guests on for a pop quiz. Maybe at the end of 2024. And one thing I want to ask you is I think a lot of a lot of our listeners are, like, in a situation where, you know, they are, like, the head of finance and their IT department is like, oh, we're now going to Azure. And they're like, okay or like the head of, you know, customer experience or whatever it might be, right? HR, I don't know, some sort of non-technical executive. And they're like, oh, we're going to Azure. What do you think are the most important things that they need to know or do when they come to that point? That's a really great question. There's actually training that's aimed at non-technical people. So I always, when I do my training plans and handovers, when I build Learning Zone, one of the main things, obviously, we need to go learn how to use this bad boy. But yeah. the um, main thing I use is there's some training for non-technical folk and it kind of is like, what is it? What are the safety concerns? What are the ethics? How do you manage your costs? You know, what is FinOps? All that kind of stuff. So it's training like that is, you know, what, like a few hours out of your day to just do the online course and have a basic yeah. understanding. But you need to advocate for your team as well and say, we want training. We want to understand safety concerns. We want to know security. We want to know how to do the cost of management and budgeting. But in the landing zones we deploy, for example, we follow cloud adoption framework. So, you know, each workload team has a subscription. So finance Mm. would have a subscription with the finance stuff they manage. And we would encourage them to log in there. And we also send alerts and stuff to their team. So, you know, when there's an outage or, you know, when there's a budget overrun or a security breach or whatever else, like I don't, um, I often don't advocate to send that just to IT. I want the team Mm. who owns those workloads. Yeah, um, yeah, everyone that, to be engaged. Yeah, just to know that that's happening and there's an outage or there's something that needs to happen. So then they take responsibility for it a bit. Like you might not know how to fix it. I don't know how to fix 
my motorbike, but I definitely know what's a bad noise and yes. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely know when to. I like that comparison. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Sure, it's safe from working, and yeah. You're on the racy somewhere for that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and it's new and scary, but like if you have a good IT team, they would take the time. And if you just if you want to learn, usually any IT folk I know would be more than happy to teach anyone who wants to know. Thank you for joining us, Simone. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. It seemed really quick. I know, time flies when you're having fun. We like feedback. I'll, let me see if I remember the feedback email. Feedback at cloud-dialogues.com is the email address for those who want to send us feedback. And the website, cloud-dialogues.com, has the form. If you want to fill out a form anonymously and don't tell us your name, you can do that too. Um, and... That's another word. Simone, do you want to just tell everyone how to get in touch with you? Because I, I, I just want to make sure people spell your organization's name properly if they go to look it up. Yeah. So it's you can find me on LinkedIn, Simone Bennett, B-E-W-N-E-W-T, and Blue Sky, Simone underscore A-U. Yeah. Social. Um, and then my company's name is Arcana, as in like the magical version of that word, A-R-K-A-H-N-A. And I probably would recommend going to their website. Arcana is, yeah, they have a LinkedIn and it's on my LinkedIn profile as well. Yep. But I only have Blue Sky and LinkedIn. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for joining and we'll see you next episode.